Morning Gospel Tab family. Uh, welcome all guests. Um, my name is Jeff. I'm an elder here at the Tab. And I want to start today uh, a little bit different. I would like to ask you a question. Is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? You don't have to look far to see that everybody goes through storms in life. When you go through difficulty, problems, health issues, cancer, divorce, death of a loved one, the times you feel like the walls are closing in and there doesn't seem to be any light at the end of the tunnel. I bet everyone in this room has experienced pain and struggle at some point. And I have to tell you that of all the songs and hymns, I think that It Is Well With My Soul is one of my favorites. I've been through some really, really hard and painful times. Pain with my family, pain with health, the loss of close friends and family, pain in ministry, heck, even my own self-doubt, times when I just feel desperately overwhelmed, insecure, and anxious and full of fear. I've also had the privilege, and I call it a privilege, to sit with people where they have told me some things that they have gone through that I don't know how they get up the next day. And it is a privilege to hear these things, brothers and sisters. And if you know the story behind the song, it is well, it just brings new meaning to it. Um, you can look it up on the internet, but I kind of shortened a version here to kind of give you the background. It was written in 1876 by Horatio Spafford. Horatio and his wife, Anna, were blessed with five children, considerable wealth. Horatio was a lawyer and owned a great deal of property in Chicago. He and his family were actually good friends with the famous D.L. Moody. So not unlike Job in the Old Testament, tragedy came in great measure to this happy household. When four years old, their son Horatio Jr. died suddenly of scarlet fever. Then only a year later in 1871, a massive fire swept through downtown Chicago and devastating the city and destroying all the properties that Horatio owned. So two years later, in 1873, Horatio was rebuilding his economic world, and Spafford decided his family should take a holiday in England, um, knowing his friend D.L. Moody would be there preaching. So Horatio was delayed because of business, so he sent his wife and his daughters on ahead of him. And in November 1873, while crossing the Atlantic, their vessel was struck by another ship. All four of Horatio's daughters perished, but remarkably, his wife Anna survived. Upon rescue, Anna immediately sent a telegram to her husband, which consisted of two words, saved alone. He got on the next ship to go get his wife, his fortune gone, his money gone, and now his daughter's gone. As he came near to the spot where it occurred, he penned these lyrics, and we sang them today. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. The question I have for us is, how in the world can a human being lose his material possessions, lose his daughters, and come to that place and say, it is well with my soul? Um, I'm going to suggest that storms come in all of our lives. There are circumstantial storms, relational storms, difficult storms, crisis storms, work storms. But Jesus said this when he was preparing his disciples, both then and now. This is what he said on his very last night. 
in John 16:33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so here's what I want you to know. We are talking about inner peace. We are talking about how do you find it and how do you keep it. I want to talk about when you're in the midst of a relational conflict, what do you do? When you're overwhelmed with your last doctor's visit, what do you do? When you're overwhelmed with fear, what do you do? When you're overcome with anxiety, what do you do? When the circumstances and fears just blow over your entire soul, what do you do? How in the world can ordinary people like you and me experience the peace that Jesus promised and that Horatio Spafford wrote about? And what I want to tell you is that you have two options. You have two options, and I have two options. When circumstances and storms and difficulties come into our lives, option A is I can trust that God says there's a supernatural peace produced by the Holy Spirit, his presence in me that will filter all of that and allow me to understand that God is in control and that will give me a supernatural, emotional, spiritual, and intellectual peace. Now, this doesn't mean I'm happy. And this doesn't mean that I like what's going on, but there is peace. And option two is we can worry. We can become anxious. We can try, try to control the situation, and we can just literally get so overwhelmed that we're paralyzed in it. In order to go down this road, because I know that some of you are thinking, hey, look, I know God promises it, but how do I get it? How can you move from anxious, difficult, painful loss, tragedy, separation, divorce, and cancer and when you're in the midst of it, how in the world can you experience God's peace? Well, I'm going to suggest that one, we need to learn a little bit more about anxiety. And then, are you ready? I'm going to teach you from God's word exactly how you can respond in a way where he promises that ordinary people like you and me can experience his peace. So I want to do just a little examination of what anxiety is. Uh, the first definition I use is a little bit of a technical definition. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by uneasiness, apprehension, dread, concern, tension, restlessness, and worry. The anxious individual often anticipates misfortune, danger, and doom. And the next definition I used is, I got out of Webster's Dictionary. It states, a fear of uncertainty, uh, a fear of the future that causes emotional unrest. Anxiety is almost always connected to some future event or something Im imminent that could happen, right? So there are the, the causes of anxiety are threefold. The first is fear of the future, or what I like to call the what ifs. Some examples are fear of economic downturn, fear that your kids won't turn out right, fear that your marriage is never going to get better, fear that you'll be single the rest of your life, fear that you're never going to make it, it's fear, fear, fear. It's fear of the what if. The second is conflict in personal relation, relationships. When there is conflict in your marriage, conflict at work, conflict with one of your kids, conflict with friends. When we have conflict, a lot of the fear is the thought, it's never going to get better. Right? And that produces anxiety because we don't think there's a light at the end. We don't think that this situation can ever be turned around. And the third is regrets over the past. And this is what I like to call the if-onlys. There are some of us that have done some things in our past, and we feel so bad about them, 
that we rehearse them in our minds. And when difficult things happen or when things go bad, your mind goes to, I think God is punishing me. Or if anyone ever finds out about this, right? And then there's the anxiety. You view yourself as an unworthy person, not as a daughter or son of the living God. And those tapes keep playing over and over. And it's, at times in your life, something happens or someone says something, and there it goes. That tape starts rolling over and over in your head. Well, what is the impact of anxiety? Lean back, if you will. I did quite a bit of research on all of this. So this is a list. It's one of those where if there's ever a need to overcome anxiety, listen to this. This is what anxiety does. In fact, the classical definition in Greek literally is a divided mind. In German, the word for anxiety is a picture of being strangled or choked. In other words, the circumstances are strangling you and choking the life out of you. That's what anxiety does. It does it psychologically, it does it emotionally, and get this, it actually does it physically. So listen, here's the impact of anxiety on our lives. Anxious individuals may be hyper alert, irritable, fidgety, over-dependent. They may talk too much. They may have difficulty falling asleep. Their concentration may be impaired and their memory poor. They may be essentially immobilized at times by their anxiety. Some other symptoms of anxiety are headaches, episodes of hyperventilation, abdominal pain, nausea, diarrhea, and it gets worse, high blood pressure, rapid heart rate, fainting episodes. Anxiety is the underlying cause, are you ready for this? Of many psychological problems, which include neurosis, psychosis, physio-psychological disorders, and phobias. All this to say is anxiety is not a good thing. It will mess with your mind, it will mess with your heart, it messes with our emotions, and it can destroy relationships. Because yes, anxiety has a huge mental, emotional, and physical implications that are difficult and painful. And if you hear me trying to build a case that you have to address this, and that you don't have to live this way, it's exactly what I'm doing. Let's take a look at Luke 8.14. Um, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are, are you ready for it? They are choked. That's the word here for anxiety. By the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So, wow. So, like, this is some bad news as we go through anxiety. I'm sure some of you have felt these symptoms. I have. Um, so, as I, as I talk about this, I want to remind you of something right now. That God is good. That he is your father. That he loves you. That he is in control. That he doesn't want you with stomach acid rolling around. He doesn't want you up in the middle of the night. He doesn't want you self-medicating when we get anxious and we go to the refrigerator. For some, some of you, for some of you, it's that third or fourth glass of wine. For others, it's binge-watching a bunch of TV. And for some, it's doom-scrolling, which is a new term I heard when I was researching this on TikTok. Even the word has doom in it, right? Um, so we medicate our anxiety, right? And get this, listen to this. We medicate our anxiety with things that actually cause more anxiety in the long run. And what I want you to do now is grab your notes. I think everyone should have gotten a paper. I copied off Brooke by passing out notes for this sermon. Um, and I want to show you that God has a command and he has a promise. And you can learn. It will take practice, but you can learn that you don't have to worry again. You can do, choose to do what this says and his promise is the peace that passes any mental or emotional experience or understanding can be yours.
that instead of some great hero like Horatio Spafford, us normal people in the midst of the pressure and the busyness and the pools can be at peace within. And I will, and I will tell you, when you are, it changes everything. With that in view, let's take out your notes and let's dig in together. Would everyone read the verses with me? I know Christine read them at the beginning, but we're going to read them again right now. We can throw them up. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so, if you look, verse 6 starts with, do not be anxious about anything. Literally in the Greek, it says, nothing be anxious about. So now get your pen out, if you have the paper, and above, do not be anxious about anything, I want you to write negative command. Negative command. Okay? It's a command. Literally, stop being anxious about anything. Stop being anxious about your finances. Stop being anxious about the big decision that's coming up. Stop being anxious about how your kids are going to turn out. Stop being anxious whether or not people like you or not. Stop being anxious about the upcoming test. Stop being anxious. Stop it. It's a command. Though it may be strange to think of it like this, to be anxious is to be disobedient to God. Worry is failure to trust that God is in control. It reveals that we are not sure that God will provide what we need in his perfect timing. Worry is gazing at my problems in self-reliance or self-pity or both, rather than looking to the Lord in dependence. Worry is the failure to believe the promises of God and his word. This does not mean that we shouldn't be concerned about the issues in our lives in the midst of difficulties. Yet Paul stresses that believers must not be pulled apart or strangled of peace and joy. We must not be anxious. Now let me just say this. Sometimes we may think that because I'm standing up here that I only struggle a little bit with things or that we have all of our lives together. I want to tell you, everyone here right now, that this is my story. Some of us are wired to be more anxious than others, and I am wired that way. I have struggled greatly with this in my life. I've suffered many of the symptoms that I stated above, including panic attacks. God has given me much peace as I trust in him more and more, and I make Jesus my identity and not my anxiety. But I want to share that I have a tendency to slip into this sin more than others. And when I do, I don't beat myself up about it. I go to the Lord, and his kindness brings me to repentance as I run into his arms. So take a second and think, what is there in your life that causes a sense of panic, either low level or almost paralyzing? Realize that God is not worried. There is no panic in heaven, but only plans to work out his good purposes in your life. Some of you may be thinking, man, I would love to stop worrying. I just don't know how. You're going to learn how here, but here's the deal. If you don't take this seriously, if you don't say in your heart of hearts that you know this is a command, and if, it's a, if God commands it something, then there is power and ability to do what he says. Let me repeat that. If God commands something, then there is power and ability to do what he says. So notice after the negative command, there is a but. It's the strongest word of contrast in the Greek New Testament. Do not be anxious about anything but 
in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God so above the but everything write positive command positive command so Paul through the Holy Spirit is saying don't do this but here's what I want you to do I want you to pray about everything and that gets us to the main point of this sermon so the main point is biblical prayer is God's antidote to anxiety now you're going to notice there are four specific words listed under there about prayer there are only four words in all of the New Testament about prayer and all four of them are used in this passage and just before I can hear some of you saying hey look I pray about stuff but I'm still anxious this is a different kind of prayer this is a very different kind of prayer and before I go to explain that let's look at the very end of the passage notice it says the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus right above that I want you to write the promise the promise so you should have negative command positive command and the promise the promise is if you will stop worrying and start praying in a very specific way the promise is the kind of peace that is beyond human understanding and God will give it to you and notice this little line it says it will guard your hearts and your minds the heart is the seat of affection and your mind is a battleground often when we go to bed and there are unresolved things your heart and mind are trying to resolve them and that's the reason we wake up at one two three or four in the morning the fact of the matter is we are exhausted and so he is saying this peace isn't just something you that will allow your intellect to be at rest this is a peace that allows your heart to be at rest so um, it says the peace of God will will what will guard this word guard is actually a military term it means to watch over in order to protect or control a few years ago my family and I went to Italy and when we were in Italy and in Rome all of the landmarks and museums and and anything the tourist attractions they had these guards standing in front of all of them they were army people like in camo with machine guns standing guard to make sure you didn't steal something or do anything and they were all over so the peace of God or I'm sorry it's a guard in your heart and your mind in your life that when you lose peace when you feel anxiety coming on when you feel you're losing control when you feel anxious and feel like you have to power up and control a situation when you feel like oh I have to take care of this you're losing your peace the Spirit of God is saying something is wrong when you're losing your peace something is wrong and you have to deal with it now listen carefully the peace of God every believer possesses because the Spirit of God is a spirit of love joy and peace and Jesus said he will give this to you you possess it so how do we do this it's like when you're driving a car and one of those lights on the dash start flashing it's flashing but the problem's not the light it's something under the hood so when we start to lose our peace we have to stop and address it but for many people when we begin to lose our peace we start to we start to the the uh, cycle of self-medicating you know we we go to the fridge and make make a snack 
and then you have artificial peace for a little while. Some of you, it's just like a pattern. Every night, it's a couple of beers or a few glasses of wine. You need it to wind down. For others, it's okay. There's stuff going on, and I don't have peace. But boy, I, watching this movie is sure, sure helps this situation. Or some of you, it's, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm just going to go to the mall and go shopping right now. Now hear me, all of these things aren't bad, but when we're losing our peace and we're using them to get fake peace, that's when there's an issue with it. And it gets worse. For some, you log on to internet sites that you shouldn't be on. Or if you find things are not good at home and you're frustrated and don't have peace, you begin to wander in your mind and get into relationships that aren't good. And so we have two commands and a promise. Negative commands, stop being anxious. Positive commands, start literally praying about everything. Well, how? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests, specific ones, be made known to God. And as you go through this process, here's the promise, peace. It will guard your hearts and your minds. Again, biblical prayer is God's antidote to anxiety. Now, I want to go back to what I started to share. Many of you might be saying, I have prayed when I was anxious, and I pray, and then I'm done, and I'm still anxious. I pray some more, and I'm still anxious. And I'm going to suggest that many of us are not praying what this considers a biblical prayer. And I have done this. So sometimes, we just whine and complain. Lord, I'm just really anxious about my life. Um, my kids are a pain. Work stinks. My hip hurts. And we, so we do this. We go on and on, and we give God the list of things. And we really haven't prayed. What we have done is we sort of whined in the presence of God. Now, by the way, that's not all that bad. Job did this. David laments. Um, it's okay to get things on the table. But if that's all you do, you will not receive peace. These four words, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and requests, are very, very instructive. There's a way to pray, a biblical way to pray, and I'm going to teach that to you right now. The first word is prayer. And I know what you're thinking, prayer, it's a word for prayer. And I, I was processing this sermon with Brooke earlier in the week, and we, we walked through this. You could change that. It actually means adoration. So, adoration, it's the most common word in the New Testament, and it has the idea of a general word for prayer. It's the idea of worship and adoration. Literally, the word means turn your thoughts and feelings toward God. So, you're feeling anxious, and you're starting to lose your peace. Here's what you have to stop and do. You need to stop and remember who God is. And you do it with adoration and praise. This is hard for me sometimes, right? I want to go to God with my list of all the stuff that I need, like he doesn't know. And we want to start. But this is telling us, and it's, it's something that was really interesting, is this is the most common word when prayer is talked about in the New Testament. It's about adoration and worship. So often I start this with, either, with the character of God or the depth of what Jesus did on the cross. And I think, oh, this is a big situation. I don't know how many of you are here. I shared about a month or so ago the testimony of a tumor in my mouth um, that was healed. But while I was going through that, I had enormous anxiety. You know, the thought of losing more than a quarter of my job was not settling to me. Um, it was a three-year journey, and I was anxious all the time. I wondered if it would get better. There was another time that several of the closest people in our lives stopped talking to us because we felt God calling us in a different direction in a different ministry. 
There was another when my, da my daughter was diagnosed with a growth on her brain. Many nights I would wake up with my chest pounding saying, God, how can this change? How can I trust you? And he goes, here's what you do, Jeff. I want you to get your focus off the problem because you either have a really big God and small problems or you look at all, all of life through your problem and you have a very big problem and a very small God. There are countless examples of this in the scriptures. And one to just one that I continue to go through when I have troubles in my life, when I have feel that anxiety, feel that peace leaving. Uh, one of the passages in scripture I go to regularly is in 2 Chronicles 20. Just a side note, if you decide to read 2 Chronicles 20, that chapter has every single type of prayer that we're going to study today. They're all in that chapter. So in 2 Chronicles 20, at the beginning, it says a great multitude is coming against you. You as Jehoshaphat, the king at the time. And he says he was afraid, so he set his face to seek the Lord. Later in the chapter, after hearing from the Lord, it says he appointed those who were able to sing to the Lord and praise him. That's worship and adoration. And they were to go before the army. Hear that? They were to go before the army. So it'd be like today, like, here, Jake is going to go before the Navy SEALs, right? So I love Jake, but I'd rather have the Navy SEALs on the front line of a war. And it says, when they began, when, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and so that they were routed. And it says later that they all helped to destroy one another. Listen to that. Jehoshaphat's army didn't have to lift a finger. They didn't have to uh, pull up a weapon. The Lord wiped them out and routed them. And you know, Steve said it again today, and I actually wrote it in here because he said it a couple weeks ago, that worship is warfare. And right here, that's actually biblical, right? So I can't tell you how many nights at 1, 3, or 4 a.m. I would get up and go downstairs. I'd sit on my couch. And I would just open my hands and say, Jesus, you are so good. You are so powerful. I may not see a way in this situation, but you do. You created everything. You are all-knowing, and I am the object of your attention. And I am your son, and you love me. And I just want you to know that I am overwhelmed with this problem, and I am pulling this problem back, and I'm offering it up to you. And I'm just saying that I believe that the God who created all that there is who died for me, who I am the center of your affection, and who has unlimited power and knows all things actual and possible, and promises to always be good to me, and to do it in the best and highest and wisest way, I want you to know that I'm going to look at this problem through this lens, and I'm asking you to please help me now. Do you see the difference in the prayers? This is what we are to come to God with in our adoration. You see, you get a big problem. Oh, you get a big God here. And just think, my, my wife and kids, and Michael's not here, but he makes fun of me. When I get up in the morning, I'll pour a cup of coffee, and I look out my kitchen window. And I call it like collecting my marbles. I'm getting ready like, to, to prepare for the day. And as I'm looking out the window, sometimes I'll look up, and you see the stars. And I, I read this. You could picture there are a, over 100 billion stars in the Milky Way, and that's our galaxy. And some scientists believe that there are 100 or 200 
billion other galaxies. We serve a big God. So the second most common word in the New Testament is supplication, or some translations say petition. And this focuses on my need. It's the idea of to ask. It has the idea of I'm, I'm unable to handle this situation. And so after I begin to pray the second aspect, I'm coming to God and I'm admitting I can't do this. See, part of our anxiety is control. When we feel anxious, one way to react is to control the situation. An issue that I'm working on, like God is really working on the patience in this in me, is I've said to some of you who I've prayed with, I like to give the Lord like 90% of everything that's going on, and I like to hold on to about 10% of it. And it's that control, it's the, it, and that causes an unrest. He wants you to give it all to him. So the first step in this prayer, in, in the, uh, this whole prayer, is this is who God is. And the second step is this is who I am. It's God, I can't do this. I don't know how to respond to my wife, Lord. I don't know how to forgive my mom. I don't know what to do or how to do it in this situation. I have no idea. And when you pray, then you are coming and you're saying to God, I need your help. I can't do this. We're not bargaining or manipulating. We're not saying, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. God doesn't cut deals. This is a kind of prayer where you come and say, I have needs and I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask for your help. So the next word is very interesting. It says, with thanksgiving. It is to be freely giving gratitude to God to see him in the midst and to give thanks in the midst that he is sovereign and that he is good and he's in control. Did you know that the brain, the human brain, cannot respond to anxiety and gratitude at the same time? So I'm going to give a little example. The first time I ever preached here, yes, the brain cannot respond to anxiety and gratitude at the same time. So the first time I ever preached here, I, the, about the week before the sermon, I got debilitating vertigo. I don't know if any of you know what vertigo is, but basically vertigo is when you're like laying, you first lay down, you're spinning. When you stand up, you're, you're spinning. Funny story, my wife and I at our old house used to have this high bed and we're pretty short people. And the first time I ever had vertigo, I used to get up in the morning and kind of bounce off the bed. And anyone that knows me, I have a lot of energy, so it's not really strange. The first time I had it, I literally bounced into my closet and fell head first into the closet. I didn't know what it was. I didn't realize that I got up so quickly. So it's, it's when you get up, you're super dizzy. Now the thing about vertigo is usually it stops once you're like up for a few seconds. Well, the week before my sermon, I had it all the time. All day, I couldn't shake it. And this was causing me enormous anxiety. I was worried that I was gonna walk up here and trip and fall. I was telling my wife, I was like, I move around a lot. I'm going to be falling constantly. And I was super anxious. So what I did was the morning, that Sunday morning, still had it. And I went in, and just a side note, there's prayer every morning in the overflow room. So I went in to pray, and Steve and uh, Suze were in there. And I didn't tell either of them this was going on. I just went in there to pray and just be in the presence of the Lord. And Suze came up to me. And she said, I feel like the Lord is saying, enjoy this moment. And man, it pounded me. 
it pounded me as I started, the Lord started to bring to my mind the places that he has taken me from and to where he was taking me that day. And I just began to well up in gratitude. And I will tell you, the vertigo didn't leave yet, but my anxiety was gone. And I will say, I came in here and sat, and I've told my wife, I don't know if I've shared with anyone else, the second I was called up here, the second I got up out of my seat, my vertigo was gone completely. And it's a place of gratitude. So in your adoration and supplication, this is the fun thing. You may actually just slip into thanksgiving. Here's my need, Lord, and I don't know what to do about this, but Lord, thank you. Thank you that you healed that tumor in my mouth. Thank you that you healed the growth in my daughter's brain. Thank you for this that happened two weeks ago. Thank you for clearing my vertigo before I came up here. Thank you, Lord. See, we got, we, God, we thank you for what you have done. You can't give thanks, listen, without recognizing that we may not have it all figured out and that we may not have our emotions where we want them to be, but we give thanks by faith, recognizing that we have a sovereign, good, kind, all-powerful God who is, just, uh, who is just and intimately cares for you and so we thank him by faith. I think of a time, and I, I mentioned earlier, where there was a close group of friends that my wife and I and our family lost. And we lost them because we felt God calling us in a different direction. And that's anyone that has lost family or friends, it's very painful. But as I was reflecting on this, one of the things that came to mind is several months before this happened, the Lord started surrounding us with people I just thought oh wow we're making all kinds of new friends but the Lord knew what he was doing he knew what was going to happen and I could go back in that painful time and say thank you Lord for them thank you for this family thank you for these people because the Lord knew what was going on you know it's a fallen world and are you ready for this Jesus said you would have trouble he said there will be difficulty he never promised to eliminate that, but he promised to be with us. He promised to give us peace right in the midst of it all. So the final word is request. And here it means just to outline your specific concerns. It's literally like a grocery list. Some of you, me included, pray, oh God, give me a good day. Or Lord, bless me. Um, or Lord, I, you know, I want my kids to like, have a good day. Um, help me do good at my job. Again, these aren't necessarily bad prayers, but request is specific. Think of a grocery list. You don't put your on your grocery list, oh, I'm going to get some meat. You know, I might pick up some veggies or some fruit. Maybe some of you do, but like, oh, I'm going to get some cereal. No, you put, you know, I'm going to get ground meat. I'm going to get taco seasoning. I'm going to get tomatoes or apples. Right? We put specific things. My wife actually, sorry, Liz, my wife actually makes a grocery list in the order at which she'll pass the items in the store. And she's done this for years, and I only recently asked her, like, why are you writing those things on the bottom and those in the middle? Because she starts wherever the need is, but knows where it is in the store. Super organized. I'm nowhere near there. So what this says is you talk to God about things specifically. What do you want him to do? Our prayer should be specific. I think about 
when my wife was a senior in high school and my wife didn't have money to get her hair done for prom she needed $25 and she prayed specifically for $25 now I wasn't a Christian so I thought she was nuts but she prayed specifically for $25 and she right Diane amen she got a random card from someone that oh coincidentally had $25 in it specific prayers God wants to hear our specific prayers instead of Lord help my son or daughter it's Lord change their attitude on this or that instead of help my marriage pray father would you show me exactly what to do to love my wife in a way that makes sense to her because I don't know very very specific specific prayers Jesus says bring your grocery list and what I like to do is write them down you don't have to do that it's just what I like to do see when things are inside your head they grow and grow and grow right and it's amazing how many prayers the Lord answers specifically and I don't know about any of you I can relate to the Israelites a lot I forget everything I forget what the Lord did yesterday I forget these things and I can get into my own self-doubt I can get into that anxious state where well this is never going to change but when we write them down you can go back through and I often do this I go back through my prayer journal and I see all the times that I have prayers specific ones X'd out this is also a good tool for Thanksgiving when you're not sure and you're just overwhelmed and you want to thank God, I can open that up and be like, oh, thank you for this. I remember when you did this. And how many times I read them and I'm like, oh, I forgot totally about that. I think about this in my wife's class. My wife is a middle school math teacher. And in her class, in her homeroom, in her homeroom last year, they put this into practice. They decided to write all the prayer requests of the students on the walls all the way around the room and I want to tell you that at the end of the year they had over a thousand prayers answered a thousand I'm even astonished at that a thousand so I want to state this and, and please listen to me the God who was faithful in my yesterday is going to be faithful in my tomorrow the God who was faithful in my yesterday is going to be faithful in my tomorrow. The last thing is the promise. Remember this, peace and anxiety cannot coexist. Here's the promise. He will give you a supernatural peace that surpasses understanding. The circumstances may not change. The people may not change. But you will. And your experience will. Jay, I don't know who's coming up to play. Yeah. So God wants you and wants me as his children to be people of peace I remember coming to faith and there was a pastor that discipled me and in his discipling he put on the importance of reading the Bible and praying daily especially on the days I didn't feel like it I was a young Christian I didn't know very much about God but I knew I was hearing from him and I was learning to pray I would get up I would read and I would just talk to God personally I remember going to meet one of my friends that I had not seen in quite a while. And as we spent the day together, I remember after it, he looked at me and he said, you changed. 
And I said, why, what do you mean? And he said, you're different. And I said, how? And he said, you're calm. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, I'm not calm, but I was a lot, lot less calm then. So, and he said, there's a peace about you. And man, that hit me. So listen, brothers and sisters, do you realize that one of the most powerful testimonies that we will ever have on the face of the earth is not that we have our lives all together. It's not that everything goes great for us. It's that in the midst of our cancer, in the midst of our injustice, in the midst of our struggle with our family, in the midst of our depression, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of unfair circumstances that are so difficult, it's that when they're that difficult, we walk through them with a supernatural peace. And as the world shakes their head and says, how can that be? Summary, biblical prayer is God's antidote to anxiety. All right, I'm going to give you an assignment. This week, every time you feel anxious, and for some of us, that's a lot. Let prayer I want you to picture this word picture. When anxiety pounds at the door of your heart, let prayer answer it and run into your father's arms. When anxiety pounds at the door of your heart and you start to lose peace, let prayer, biblical prayer, adoration, petition, thanksgiving, and requests and run into your father's arms. Your heavenly father says, will you run into my arms? Would you biblically pray, cast your cares upon me, and run into my arms and I will love you I will protect you and I will provide for you thanks